Welcome to It's Your Business Lead It podcast. It's your business. Lead it. You need to deliver performance to your organization now. To do this, you need to ensure process efficiency, product quality, and employee engagement. What happens when you don't have this? Underperformance. If you're tired of getting excuses and not results, if you're tired of mediocre employees talking to me in game, but not backing it up with action, you're in the right place. My name is Ron Hurst, a leader with over 30 years of real-world operational experience backed by the best of engineering and developmental psychology, and my goal is simple. I want to help you achieve the performance your business is capable of. Welcome to It's Your Business Lead Podcast. In this podcast, patience. This is a topic that Throughout my career, I've really struggled with how to be patient when I want to get something done. I can see the goal line. I can see what needs to be done. And it just seems like people won't move fast enough to get it there. Patience, leader, patience. There's a really funny joke that goes with this, or at least I find it funny because it's absolutely true. A very dear friend of mine, a pastor by the name of Barry, once told me, he said to me, In his big, booming, eye-style, disc-eye voice, he said, Ron, you know, you and I have more patience than anyone else. You know why? I don't know, Barry, why? Because we never use any. And I thought, man, that's funny. That is true, too. It's hard to be patient, isn't it? Well, let's think about this idea of patience for a minute. It's actually really critical that we're patient in a leadership role because there are serious consequences when we're not. And there are two different areas of consequence that I want to highlight. The first is organizational. The second is interpersonal. Organizationally, there's two main things that you put at risk when you act from an impatient place. First, you're far more likely to rush into a bad decision and not have thought it through. And you're going to go like 90 miles an hour and literally you could end up driving your organization off a cliff. So not being patient in making important decisions is really a risk. The other thing is that over time, you will eventually impact the culture of your your organization, especially if you're in a higher level of leadership. Your impatience becomes the standard by which all junior leaders operate as well. Because you're saying that this is the way we do things around here. And people follow the leader. If they respect you, they're going to do the same thing. So this this impatience of getting things done and moving quickly becomes standard. Now, don't get me wrong. I've got no problem with moving quickly. But I learned an incredibly valuable lesson. When I really started to embrace the lean methodology, lean production, you know what I found? I was doing this exercise where I created a maze And there was only one path, one accurate path through the maze. And you had to work as a team to find it. And I turned it into a Kaizen game where we looked for the waste in this maze. And you'd see people and they'd be like, should I step here or should I step here? Because it was a maze that it's one of those carpet type mazes that has buzzers in it. If you step on the buzzer, you're out, right? So what I found was that the indecision was costing them time or the making a mistake and not going to the place where their, their teammate had been the last time cost them time. And it was rework and waiting and all these forms of waste. And when I finally got them to see that if you eliminate all the forms of waste, you can complete this exercise in seconds. 
as opposed to the minutes. I mean, if they if they got it done in 10 minutes, it was a miracle the first time. But by the time we applied the lean methodology to it, we could get it done in under 60 seconds, like 30 seconds typically, because we would just power through it. Now, what I really tried to get them to see was something incredibly powerful, that the forward motion through the maze hadn't sped up. What had occurred to make them faster was that we removed all of the waste steps. See, lean doesn't require us to be rushing around and going faster. What it means is that we find ways to deliver value in the most efficient way possible. And we couple those value delivery systems together in such a way that there's no longer an issue. I mean, it just gets it done. So the, the risk of going fast is that we're doing it in a reckless way. But if we do it in an intentional way, the way that Lean teaches, we can go really fast, but we're going fast by adding value and actually having our employees walk at a methodical pace that allows them to catch the errors that they would make if they were trying to rush. Okay, so those are the two consequences organizationally. What about interpersonally? Well, first of all, chances are you're going to make bad hires because you're going to be so excited. You're going to fall in love with this person. You're going to have a bromance or whatever. And you're going to go, oh, you need to join our organization. And we, we run really fast. And chances are you haven't done your due diligence and you're hiring poorly because you haven't checked to see if they're a cultural fit. You haven't checked to see if they're a strategic fit, a like all of these different factors. And you're bringing in problems and it's going to make the organization grind to a halt. It's slowly over time, more time is spent managing bad hires than it is delivering value to customers. Next, there is a very serious risk that there won't be any development of lower level leaders. Because if I'm impatient, I expect you to just get it done. I'm not asking you to figure it out and learn from it and improve on your mistakes. In fact, mistakes will undoubtedly anger me and I will express that anger to you. And in doing so, you make it unsafe for the organization to learn from mistakes because mistakes are going to go underground. And this leads me to our third point. And this is a really important point that if you are that impatient leader who can't tolerate mistakes and doesn't have the patience to help people learn and grow, you are right on the ragged edge of bullying your direct reports. And all it takes is a little less care, a little less empathy, and you will be in the bullying zone. And this is a really important point. And I don't think you should ever do that. We need to respect our employees. We need to hire the best, expect the best, train for the best, develop for the best, and then let them go and do it. And they will give you the best. But if you get impatient, you get angry when they make mistakes and they hold you back and you start expressing it with a strong emotion, you are on the edge of bullying. Not every style of personality is like you, leader. Some of them are highly sensitive to over-the-top emotional reactions. And when you do that, they will perceive it as bullying. Now, I'm a D in DISC, a D, a dominant style. I have a risk of bullying people, and I know it, and I'm very careful not to. I'm very careful to make sure that learning is my first priority. I know that learning in the way that Lean teaches leads to better outcomes, and I'm in it for the long haul, not the result of the next minute. I'm in the, I'm in the results for the next hour through next three years. 
So there's a very serious risk of bullying here. And it's whether it's intentional or unintentional is irrelevant. I need you to get that some styles will perceive it as bullying because they're a little more sensitive. And when you do, because you think it's okay, because you would be okay that way, um, you're actually demoralizing and ruining the cohesiveness of your team and their ultimate performance capacity. So these are the risks of not being patient. Now, what do we do about it? How do we get to be a more patient leader? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's, let's dig in. First of all, solution number one, seek feedback. I think you should first go to a trusted peer. Now, if you are the senior leader in an organization, you may need to go outside of the organization for feedback. Or you might be able to find someone if you came in from the inside, maybe one of your former peers. You have a trust-based relationship deep enough that you can go to them and ask them for feedback. But find someone that can give you feedback. I also think it's really good to have back channels of communication deeper in the organization so that you can find out how your decisions and your actions have rippled down through the levels of leadership to the front lines. But get feedback. Feedback is such a powerful thing. Again, start with a trusted colleague and peer and then work your way into supervisor and direct report. Get feedback from as many sources as you can. But that one trusted colleague or peer, one of the other things that I think you should do is ask them to hold you accountable. Because the awareness that comes from feedback and the accountability that comes from a process of feedback will make you better. It will help you to gain more patience because you'll be more aware when you're not being patient. Okay, next, use process to help you solve this problem. You, as a leader, I mean, it's almost, it's almost criminal. I mean, it's not criminal, but it feels completely inappropriate to me for someone in a leadership position not to have a clear process for how they make decisions. Whether you use a rational decision-making process, whether you use a pro-con model, whether you use a group consensus model, I'm not really too concerned about what model you choose, but that you have a model for the situation. And by the way, I mean, I've done some casts on decision-making, check them out. There are multiple models and just choose the one that fits the circumstances, but commit to a process because the process will uncover some of the risks in your decision. And then you can think them through and patience comes as a result of understanding the consequences of your potential actions. Okay, so have a process. Next, problem solving. Exact same story. Have a clear process for how you're going to deal with problems. Whether it's process problems, whether it's interpersonal problems, you need to have a clear process of how you're going to navigate those. And I'll tell you what, I've been dealing with literally thousands of supervisors, leads and managers in my career as a leadership coach, very few people have a clear process. All, when I ask them about it, they'll all go, yeah, I have a process. And I'll ask them to describe it to me and they'll give me some vague generality. Edward Stemming once said, if you can't describe what you're doing as a process, you don't know what you're doing. And that is the reality of many managers. Have a clear process for how you solve problems. And while you're at it, have a clear process for how you engage in healthy conflict. This is a special case because most of us avoid conflict like the plague because we don't like it. But the truth is that there is healthy conflict and you need to find it and embrace it. Process conflict, task conflict, just not interpersonal conflict. Do everything in your power to be a person of integrity and to lead with respect and dignity so that interpersonal conflict is not 
something you need to engage in. And the final thing is communication. Yeah, communication. There's a process for that too. Have a clear process of how you deliver messages. Have a process for how you listen and take in information. And use that process to ensure that your communication is always growing and increasing. Next, so we've got, we've got feedback, we've got process. We also have vision. We have to have a clear picture of where you're trying to get to. Have a clear outcome in mind. You know, Stephen Covey says, begin with the end in mind. So there's a sense of vision of where you're trying to take your part of the organization or your organization. And once you have that vision, what I want you to do is commit to creating a work breakdown structure that comes out of project management so that you can begin to see the timeline. It's really amazing to me how much we underestimate how much can be done in a time frame. It seems that short time frames, we think we can get a lot done. Long time frames, um, we can get even more done. But that's not the reality of it. We, if we don't count the cost, if we don't map it out and estimate how long things are going to take, we will get impatient. But if we know how long things are going to take, now we can be balanced in our approach to giving feedback and checking in on the progress of our movement toward the vision. So you have to have clarity on the vision and then have a work breakdown structure of what it's going to take to get there. The final thing is, the idea of mindfulness. Now, I'm going to end with this point because I think it's really critical and it's so different than the other ones. I mean, if you think about it, feedback is an interpersonal process. Process for decision-making, problem-solving, conflict, and communication is, again, it's a little bit more technical. And the same with the vision and work breakdown structure. I mean, these are all technical skills or interpersonal skills. But what do we mean about mindfulness? This is intrapersonal. This is inside of you. And the idea here is that we need to create a balance between past, present, future. What's the purpose of the past? It's not to pine about. It's not to complain about. It's simply to learn from. So have a clear process of how you learn from the past. Don't spend your time there other than reflecting on what did we learn. If somebody goes into past tense, at some point very quickly in the conversation, what you want to do is say, what did we learn from that circumstance? What did we learn from that situation? What did we learn from that interaction? What we want to do is focus on the present and have an eye to the future. An eye to the future is the vision that I, I talked about a moment ago. So have clarity on where you're going, but be present in the moment. And take a moment every now and again to just sit and savor the situation you find yourself in. It is remarkable for you to be in this time, in this place, doing what you're doing with all these people around you, or maybe you're in your car driving somewhere with all the people in other cars, whatever it is, take the time to sit and appreciate what you're doing in this moment. What you will find is that mindfulness is almost the epitome of the opposite of impatience. You cannot be impatient and mindful at the same time. To be present means to put all of your expectations aside of what can be done and when it's going to be done and just to be present. And I want that for you. All right, everyone, in our Who Does What by When, I challenge you to find a, a mentor, a, a source of feedback, a peer, a colleague, whoever it is, and ask them how patient you come across. See what kind of feedback you can get. And if you're getting feedback that says, man, you're kind of impatient, I want you to start digging into the advice that I'm giving you of seeking more feedback, putting processes in place for the key roles as a manager, 
creating a clear vision with a work breakdown structure and practicing mindfulness. All right, we'll see you on the next cast. Now you have your action items. I'm excited to hear from you on how what you learned today works for you. Be sure to connect with me at www.developingleadersinc.com and brief us on how the action items work for you. If you need immediate support, schedule a strategy call with me and let's build a plan together on how to get you the results you need. Thanks for listening, everyone. Until next episode, get out there and lead your business.